This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News. I'm Jake E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. Wizards has begun unveiling information for their upcoming magic sets, the future of store play, and more, dubbing this summer the Summer of Legend. The Summer of Legend hosts two new sets, one a long-awaited sequel, and the other magic's first foray into the world of Dungeons and Dragons in a card set. Modern Horizons 2 has been highly anticipated ever since its announcement last year, especially after the massive success of its namesake precursor. For those unfamiliar with them, Modern Horizons and now Modern Horizons 2 are sets consisting only of either brand new cards printed specifically for modern and older formats, or reprints of cards that have never been legal in modern. Meanwhile, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms comes with the promise of inside jokes, references, and fan-favorite callouts. During a Twitch stream held on May the 6th, Wizards gave us several hints and previews, so let's go to Diz to hear more. Diz? Thanks, Janky. We'll start with the first of the sets, Modern Horizons 2. The landmark sneak peeks we got were the five enemy-colored fetch lands. These lands will appear in normal, extended, and old border form. Players have been waiting for this set of reprints for literal years. The Biobox promo was revealed, a reprint from Conspiracy Take the Crown in Old Border Form, Sanctum Prelate. We also saw a new card, Urza's Saga, which is a land that's also a saga. Last but not least, Counterspill is going to be modern legal thanks to this set, something many modern players have desired since the inception of the format. Control decks are going to be in prime position to make a resurgence, so good luck to those players. Modern Horizons 2 will release on June 18th, and all previews for the set will begin May 24th, where we at WNXS News will be ready to keep you informed. Adventures in the Forgotten Realm shows us fewer previews, but each of them has given us a great view of how the world will be portrayed. There will be flavor text on each basic land in the set, each of which features a prompt with which to start an adventure, and four variants of each basic will be featured in the set. Sounds pretty cool. There will be cards based on very recognizable figures, items, and spells like Portable Hole, Power Word Kill, and Prosperous Innkeeper, which is incidentally the introduction of the Halfling Creature Type. Fans of the Forgotten Realms D&D world will especially enjoy the Biobox promo, Vorpal Sword. The Dragon Queen Tiamat is also getting card, and she shows up in both alternate borderless art and the regular art treatments. Speaking of art treatments, we got a templated preview of a new one for this set that will be called the Classic Rulebook Treatment. This treatment is highly reminiscent of the D&D rulebooks. This set will release on July 23rd, with previews beginning June 29th. Kit? In some very exciting news, Wizards has announced the return of sanctioned play in the U.S. starting on May 28th. And to make an extra fun Welcome Back event, later this year, WPN stores will be getting a limited number of convention edition mystery boosters for in-store play. I missed out on mystery boosters, so I'll have to check that out. Don't you still have that unopened box of Modern Horizons? Yes. This has not been a good year for having people over to draft. It's been a long time since we've been able to have the gathering part of Magic the Gathering. A bit more than a year. But now it's finally starting to return. Exact parameters are going to depend on individual stores, since the safety guidelines vary widely across the country. 
but I'm sure a lot of stores will be excited to welcome people back. While this is exciting, and we know you all want to flock over to your local game stores to play, it's important to remember that the pandemic isn't over. And we're not out of the woods yet. Always keep your mask on at stores, even if you're vaccinated. Try to maintain distancing while playing as much as you can. And wait until you've been fully vaccinated to go out and play. That means the full two weeks after your final shot. We know you're tired of waiting. But please, keep acting in a way that keeps everyone safe. Remember, only you can prevent glistening oil from completing your friends into Phyrexians. With that, we'll return to the News Brew segment with local deck brewer, Noel. Uh, Noel, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, so you brought uh, with you a couple of deck lists today. So why don't you tell us about this first one? Well, the first one, um, I always go out of my way to be different and make weird decks. So I decided that with this one, I would go all the way. And I picked the commander that I thought was the worst commander I could possibly think of. Um and it's uh, Savitri Scarzan. She's uh, basically a crawworm, except she costs one more mana than a crawworm. So she's actually worse than one. <laughs> well, that's, I build a deck around her. That's a that's definitely a unique choice. Why don't you? Uh, what what would you say is kind of the meat and the and the potatoes and the the point of the, or the purpose of the deck? Where where you want to go with it? Well, I decided that if there was anything positive about her, um, it was that you can do things with her high uh, mana cost to your advantage. So I basically built the deck around that idea. And um, there are lots of creatures that have high mana cost just like her. And then there are lots of cards in it that do fun things. Uh, the to interact with high mana cost cards like uh, my favorite one is uh, Hedron Matrix. It's an uh, equipment that basically makes Savitri plus seven plus seven because it's based on her mana cost. So that's pretty much the the main idea behind the deck. Okay, um, how do you get to it? What are the what are some of the things you put in for support to help get you to take advantage of those mana costs? Well, um, you know, I do need to be able to possibly play some of these cards with high converted mana costs. So I do have lots of uh, mana rocks in the deck uh, just in case I need to, uh, but. Otherwise, um, I just do things like uh, there's a creature called Drownoose Pet that uh, has a kicker where you discard a creature card and it gets plus X plus X where it was that creature's converted mana cost. So if I discard Draco, then it's an 18-18 flyer. So um, there's that. And um, there's also... A big chunk of the strategy has to do with manipulating the top uh, card of my library because there are several cards in Magic that you benefit from the top card of your library having a high mana cost. And 
probably the the most powerful one is Time Sifter. That's that's like the card that's infamous in our in our group. That's kind of got a soft ban in our group because of <laughs> uh, how people can take several turns in a row. But uh, yeah, stuff like that and uh, Baneful Omen is similar to Time Sifter and that. Um, at the end of your turn, you reveal the top card of your library and each opponent loses life equal to its converted mana cost. So I use things like uh, Crystal Ball to, um, you know, every turn rearrange the top cards of my library so that they will keep getting the the high mana cost card on top and keep getting punished for it. Okay. Uh, what would you say are some of the, some of your favorite spicy cards that you've put in there aside from the drown news pet or the the uh matrix um i would say um this actually happened in one game um i played uh Grozoth and you know he allows you to put as many nine cmc cards from your library into your hand as you want and i have probably about six other nine CMC creatures in my deck. So I I played Grozoth and I had um Volrath the Fallen in play and people didn't realize that I had like um so many high mana cost creature cards in my hand and one person didn't block when I attacked with Volrath, so that was enough for lethal right there. Well, that just sounds rude. (laughs) That that was one of my, yeah, that that was, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was knowledge that everyone had because they knew Volrath was in play. They knew I had all those nine CMC cards in my hand, but I just waited like two turns for everyone to forget. So I didn't feel too bad about it. Uh, Yeah, that's, I mean, you definitely earned it. Um, but you're not just a jank specialist. You also have the ability to shift into a more serious direction when you want to build that way. And you've brought one of those decks to talk about uh, on this episode as well, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell us about this one? Uh, Who is the uh, Who's the general of this one? This might possibly be my favorite deck. Um, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that people that aren't old school players a lot of times look confused when I tell them my commander is Martin Stromgall. They look at me like, who the heck is that? So I let them know there's a, you know, a few legendary creatures from, from ice age that a lot of people don't know about. And, uh, I think this deck is probably similar to the way that a lot of people make, uh, Krenko mob boss where you just pump out lots of goblins. Um, but, um, this deck, I try to make it my most aggressive deck out of all of them. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll kill off one player on like turn five if I get a a decent hand. Sounds a little bit brutal. Um, what are some of the ways that you manage to get creatures out that fast? Um, the... The deck has a large number of goblins, and uh, it does have the ones that help you to to cheat out goblins, like uh, uh, Goblin Lackey and Warren Instigator. I can sometimes get a lot of goblins out quickly using those cards. 
Huh. That sounds like a pretty vicious uh, series of cards to throw down. Um, what are some of the uh, what are some of the ways that you think you can take this deck? What are some other directions, uh, or is it supposed to be linear? Just focus on getting creatures out and bashing faces. Well, um, I've talked to a couple other people that have made decks around this commander, and for from what I've seen, they just basically go all in with trying to attack with as much damage as possible. And the one thing that I do differently than they do is, um, from what I've seen, they don't bother trying to keep Martin alive. Um, they just attack with him as a 1-1 and a bunch of other creatures to try to do as much damage as possible. But I do um, have quite a few cards in my in the deck that do try to keep him alive, like ways to make him unblockable or make him indestructible. That sounds like a pretty, uh, pretty solid strategy. One thing that I've been, um, yeah, one thing I've been trying to make work that I haven't been able to make work yet is if there's an extra combat step, um, you know, if I attack with the creatures again, they get that bonus again. So they would, you know, be even bigger. So I've been trying to, use cards like Aggravated Assault, but I haven't had a lot of luck with it yet. What are some of the ways that you've seen that resolve itself so far? Well, I think as far as Aggravated Assault goes, I've gotten it out, but I have never, I guess because it's so scary for all my opponents that it it's never made it around to like the next turn for me to try to get an extra combat step. Someone always gets rid of it before I get a chance to try it. Well, I can see why they would be a little threatened by that. Um, uh, one more question, and then we'll head on out. Where You mentioned uh, off-interview that this is a deck that you're still kind of tweaking. Are there other cards that you have considered throwing into it that you just haven't gotten the chance to, to test yet? Well, um, you know, I think the problem with this deck is the same as a lot of aggressive decks is that it, it runs out of gas. Uh, you know, red isn't the, the greatest color for, for card drawing. So I have experimented with some uh, card drawing cards. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that would be the one thing that would really help to make the difference between, you know, whether or not I can kill off one player or the, or the whole pot of four is if I was able to, you know, get some card drawing going. So. All right. Well, we'll definitely there, look. There are, you know, no, go ahead. No, I, I keep going. Um, I do have some ways that where I draw a card and it actually benefits me. Like, like I use a rummaging goblin, I draw a card and discard a card. And, you know, if I happen to discard anger, it actually benefits me because it'll give all my creatures haste. So I've been trying to experiment with the, you know, that kind of card drawing, but I've had limited success so far. Well, we'll definitely have to uh, have you back on another time to give us an update on this one, as well as anything else that's a little silly you decide to build. Noel's decklist um, can be found. Thank you so in much for joining us, and Magic that's all for this edition has a lot of, of news coming Brews. up. And Isa will tell us all about it after this message from our sponsors.
Joyra here. Do you ever find yourself in need of a ride in a hurry? Maybe you need to get to church in Benalia, but you're still on vacation in the mountains of Ataria. Well, have I got the service for you. Introducing Joyra's Weatherlift Taxi Service, the fastest airship on Dominaria at your disposal. All you have to do is send the signal, and we'll be there with Slimefoot and the gang. We can get you from Yabamaya to Koilos, or from Urborg to Lanawar. Not only faster, but at a reasonable rate, and with only a minimum risk of running into cabal forces. Joyra's Weatherlift Taxi Service. We're here to get you there. Welcome back. Arena has a slew of high-paced events on the horizon, and Isa will tell us more. Isa? Thanks, Jake. Beginning May 13th, the Strixhaven College Cup kicks off, giving players a chance to fight for their favorite college's supremacy. There will be three events, each a week apart and lasting for several days. May 13th begins the test of knowledge and singleton play. May 20th is a test of wit, a 100-card minimum format. And finally, on May 27th, we have the test of leadership. This test is a brawl variant that allows legends from only the Strixhaven set, but all other cards and standard are legal in the decks. The historic format gets an update as well with the introduction of Historic Anthology 5, and we know that the original Vorinclex will be introduced to the format alongside Whirl or Rogue from Magic Origins. We also have the date of this next Arena Open, taking place July 31st and August 1st, going back to the standard format for this event and including Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. The final announcement was a new take on old cards. A new event titled Mirror Mirror will feature fixed or patched versions of banned cards like Oko Thief of Crowns or Teferi Time Raveler. These and more will be shown for this temporary event, allowing us a glimpse of what might have been. The exact date isn't mentioned yet, but we know it will take place in July. The next major event is this weekend's Strixhaven Qualifier, which will be standard constructed and held May 15th to 16th. Jink? Thanks, Isa. On the business side, Hasbro has released its first quarter earnings call, in which it was revealed that Wizards' revenues are up 15% from this time last year. This increase in revenue was propelled by Kaldheim, which is the best-selling winter set ever. This is after 2020 also broke revenue records for Wizards despite the pandemic. Hasbro also assured shareholders that there was no cannibalization of tabletop by the new digital products. They have said tabletop remains quite healthy, even now that people can't get together to play it. This increase in earnings comes after a number of changes to Magic's business model, so the comparison between sets is not quite apples and oranges. Kaldheim was, after all, the first winner set to have collector boosters. It also comes after several moves heavily criticized by the community as being designed to drive up short-term profits at the expense of the long-term health of the game, collector boosters among them. It looks like it worked? That's what I'm afraid of. Well, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but there was something else in the earnings call that you specifically won't like. Oh no, what did they do now? So you remember how a couple of episodes ago you were saying NFTs are a pyramid scheme. You are not about to tell me someone announced Wizards is getting into those. Well, not technically, but as it so happens, Brian Goldner, CEO of Hasbro, announced during the earnings call that NFTs may be a real opportunity for the company, and specifically named Magic as one of the brands they're exploring the possibilities for. 
Speaking of moves designed to drive up short-term profits, they aren't even real objects. They're digital objects that pretend to be unique, and introducing them represents a tremendous hazard to the health of the community and to the climate. Not only that, but even if they did have any real value, the news has been full of stories of people paying for NFTs that disappear because what you're really buying is a cryptographic token. And Hasbro wants to include this in magic. Well, this hasn't been without pushback. The Professor, Dicebreaker, and a number of other community members on Twitter have all openly objected to it. I suppose that's something, but this increasing disregard for what members of the community think is concerning. Well, in the spirit of changing moods, do we have any more pleasant stories? As it happens, we do! The Japanese MTG team worked up a manga version of the Call Time story. Even though it's just a few pages long, it captured the essence of each story chapter. Did they manage to include Tyvar's ridiculously muscular frame? As well as they could given the medium, but yes. The manga can be found on the Japanese MTG site and we'll link to it in the show notes. We've seen a growing level of celebrity involvement with the magic community over the last few years. From Cassius Marsh befriending the Command Zone crew, to Danny Trejo and Patton Oswalt marketing Strixhaven. The newest member of the celebrity pantheon is none other than popular rap and hip-hop artist Post Malone. Beginning with his public appearance at a local game store, which sparked a TMZ article, his notability as a member of the community has skyrocketed. In a recent teaser picture on his Twitter, it was confirmed that he would be joining a new episode of Game Nights, the date of which is not yet known. Our final story. Popular magic artist Seb McKinnon concluded his fourth Kickstarter, featuring a limited print run of Playmats showing his artwork. Each of his previous Kickstarter campaigns has done incredibly well, and this campaign was no exception. In just 60 days, he raised $1.4 million Canadian, or $1.1 million American. The funds will be used to pay for his upcoming feature film, Kin Fables, The Stolen Child. By the end of the 60 days, 19 different artworks had been unlocked, including sketches and tokens. This lends credence to the argument that he could be the most popular magic artist ever. He's certainly my favorite. Personally, I prefer Rebecca Gay. Eso, how about you? I'm a fan of Seth McKinnon's work, as it happens. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.